Thank you, Corwin and Daniel. If you have your Bibles, let's turn back to uh, Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, we're going to be finishing up with this chapter this morning, but I uh, just want to say, I know a number of asked and wondered how, how our week went. We had a good week while we were gone, uh, just the two of us traveling around. Darlene was running, going by people like this with her hand, and I'm sure they were all thinking she was waving at the cars as we would go by. And, and the most common question was, well, what did you do? We had strangers coming up, what did you do to your hand? And, you know, my response was, she hit me. And... Uh, <laughs> But And they would laugh and chuckle and move on. One asked if I hit her, and I said, no, her hand wouldn't be like that if I'd hit her. It went the other way. But we did have a good time, and uh, just being together and seeing country that we've never seen before, uh, it was a welcome vacation. And uh, so uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to go and just be there. And it uh, seems like a while back it's been a busy week this week as Monday morning started out with a... a a surprise uh, when Savannah texted us and let her know, let us know that her dad had been found unresponsive um, in their garage where he worked out, and uh, then in a few minutes later that he had gone home to be with the Lord. And yet, you know, God works all those things out. Uh, we don't know. When God will call us home, we we really don't. But I was so thankful, uh, and and I know that things would have gone fine if we weren't here. But I was so thankful that when God called him, we were back home, and we were there on Friday, and we both said, "Well, we've been traveling around enough. Let's go home." And we came home about two or three days earlier, and it just worked out that way. And I just put that in God's timing too, and that we could be here. And I appreciate people in this church that stepped up and came around the family and ministered to them. And uh, ladies were there day after day to help out and support them. And so uh, I want to thank you as a church for the love you demonstrated and the compassion that you showed this last week for uh, family and friends and uh, I just think that's special to be part of a church like this that had that kind of love and was there for them. So, uh, thank you. And now, uh, Jonah chapter four or chapter one. Uh, we've been working through Jonah, and we've gotten through three verses. And you remember the first verse had to do with Jonah's call. The first two verses. And let me read it to you again. We're just going to work through this chapter and finish it up this morning. But it says, "The word of the Lord came to Jonah." Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, he's the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up to me. And uh, that was Jonah's call. You know, God called different people. He called Isaiah. He called Jeremiah. Uh, he called the apostles, the, prophet, or the, uh, the disciples to follow him. He says, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Uh, drop your nets. Leave where you are. And he called Jonah, and he says, Jonah... You remember the others followed him. Boy, that was great. Jonah was already called. Uh, there's, I believe, a calling that goes with the prophets. There's a calling that goes with the pastors. The first call for us is our call for salvation, to come to know Jesus Christ. I think that's the first thing. We either accept or reject what God gives to us. And uh, Jonah was a prophet, and so he already was a minister for 
God, doing the work that God had him to do there in Israel. But then God says, I've got a specific task for you. I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go to Nineveh and tell them that their lives need to change or uh, there's going to be discipline. And as we get into it a little further, we're going to find that Nineveh changed their hearts. Man, things changed there in that great city, that sinful, wicked city. But God calls us as well. Calls us first to our salvation. We've been asked to come and follow him. I'm going to flip that back just a little bit. And uh, we have a call there. I believe there's a call for, for pastors, missionaries, those who are in vocational type service or, or in an elder type position. And it's a call for ministry and to serve the Lord. And uh, I, I think that's a special thing. We need to realize that it's, it's more than just choosing a job. And that was something I had to learn on early on in the ministry, that coming into the ministry was not just choosing a job. I had a job. I had a business before I went in the ministry. I could have stayed there. And uh, I, I really didn't like the idea of being called. I, th- I, th- I think there was kind of a compulsion that God continued to bring back for about 10 years. I've got something for you to do. And, and so I went there, and I believe that uh, individuals that go into that full-time ministry uh, whether it's paid or voluntary, uh, have a special calling. And I think that's important to realize. But we also have calls to various ministries. Jonah was a, an individual that was working with the people of Israel, but he was also called now to a specific ministry. And, and I, I believe that we all have those opportunities. We are gifted when we come to know the Lord. We have a spiritual gift. That's what the Bible says. And God opens opportunities for with within our homes, within our neighborhoods, within our church, to serve him in different capacities. And the question is, do we say yes or do we say no? Do we respond positively or say, I'm busy and I've got other things going on and I'm just too much going on in my life right now? And I think Jonah kind of had that attitude that I'm happy where I am and I don't want to go to Nineveh. And so he decided he wasn't going to go. And we find the next thing that happened is the rejection of God's call. And there are individuals who that do that as well. It says in verse 3, But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so he went down to Joppa, found a ship, which was going to Tarshish and paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And I mentioned it Last time I preached that I think he kind of thought that God was in Israel and if you got out of Israel, you got away from God and if you went to Tarshish, you were going the opposite way of where he called you and he would be just fine going that direction. But it doesn't work that way, does it? Because you see, it doesn't matter where we go, God's there. And if God has called us to do something, that's something he desires for us to do. And it's very easy to pass up on ministry opportunities that God lays out before us instead of stepping forward and saying, I'll be there. I think Jonah could have gone out and looked for the nearest caravan heading for Nineveh, but instead he got the nearest boat headed for Tarshish because he didn't want to go to Nineveh, because he didn't like Ninevites. There was a boy a racial hatred there because of what the Ninevites were like. They were a wicked people. And he didn't want to go be with them. And so we find that he made a choice to disobey God. 
And uh, we can all do that. There are times when the opportunities come to do what God wants us to do, and we go the other way. I, I was thinking when I did this uh, study the other night about the prodigal son and how he could have stayed home. And if you know that story, the prodigal son came to his father. Father was probably a, a wealthy individual, and the prodigal son came. He was the second son, so he didn't have this huge inheritance coming like his older brother would have, but he did have an inheritance. And he said, Dad, I don't want to wait till you die. Uh, he kind of perceived that his dad would be getting older, and, and he said, I don't want to wait till you die. I want my inheritance now. And you remember, he took the inheritance, went to a distant country, wasted it in frivolous living until a, uh, the money was gone, there was a famine in the land, and the prodigal son ended up feeding swine. He was down in the pen with the pigs, and I would imagine it was smelly and sloppy, and he was throwing them the pods for food, and he was saying, man, I'd even eat what the pigs have. He was so hungry. And for a Jewish boy to be feeding pigs, that wasn't the best situation. And he finally woke up and decided to go home to his father. But you realize that here was a young man who could have stayed home living in his father's house, doing the work on the farm, and had a very comfortable life. And yet he chose to go the opposite direction. And that's kind of what we do when we choose not to do the things that God lays out for us to do and be the individuals that God wants us to be. We run the other way, kind of like the prodigal son and like Jonah. And when we disobey God, that's really what we're doing is running. It may not be a ministry. You know, the Bible says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's what Jesus said. And so when we, when we look at this, we realize that we may be running from God just because we simply don't want to live as the scriptures tell us to live. It may have to do with moral values. It may have to do with how we spend our time. It may have to do with how we spend our money. It can be any number of things, but when we simply look at the Bible and say, I don't like what it tells me about how to live, I'll go the other way. That's what we're doing as we're running from God. It's that same thing. And you know what? When we run from God, we miss out on God's blessings. We really do. I, I think of the prodigal son, and he could have stayed at home, and the blessings that he would have had. I believe that if Jonah had simply obeyed God and he had gone to Nineveh, he would have seen a change in the people there, and he would have been part of that. And man, what an amazing opportunity. And he simply said, no, I don't want to go. And we don't have the blessings that God has for us. It goes on and it talks about what happens when we run. And what I want you to realize, if you are a believer and you're turning and you're running from God, God pursues you. I think of that old poem, The Hound of Heaven. And it's The Hound of Heaven it sounds kind of, wow, this, this huge hound chasing the rabbit, but it talks about God's grace. And how he pursues his children and he goes after them and he draws them back. And that's the picture that we have is that God pursues us even when we turn and go the other way. And we aren't where God wants us to be. Listen to what it says as we go on 
in verse 4. This was how God pursued Jonah. It says, And the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. And the sailors became afraid. Now, what I read about these sailors is they were probably individuals who had lived their life on the sea. This is what they did. So you know that if this was a storm that had them frightened and they were afraid the ship was going to break up, you realize that this was a very violent storm. This was the windstorm they expected in Northern California this week that didn't show up all the time. It was a, it was a huge storm, and it says... Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below in the hold of the ship, and he'd lain down and had fallen asleep. God is that hound of heaven. And you know when we're his children, so often he pursues us. I think it's like a parent. When our children go the opposite direction we want them to go, our greatest desire is to bring them back. Sometimes we're like the father of the prodigal son who sits and waits, and when the son came back, he he accepted them with open arms. Other times we do everything we can to draw them in close. It's just a natural thing for a father. If it's and a mother, it, it, it may not be true if you don't know the person you see a person who's walking away from God and you don't know them you kind of just let them go but when they're your children it's different isn't it you want them to have that right relationship with God you want them to have the right relationship in the home and so you seek them and that's what Jonah was going to find that God would do for him he was going to throw this huge storm out there to draw them back now God doesn't always pursue everyone in the same way Those who are not believers and reject him, in fact, God oftentimes just releases them to their own consequences. If you go back to Romans chapter 1, and I want to just read uh, this passage for a moment, beginning in verse 18, it says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of man who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. In other words, There isn't a person today who doesn't have within themselves the understanding that there has to be some supreme being greater than themselves. All you have to do is look at the creation and the orderliness of the creation and the stars and and everything that's out there to realize it doesn't just explode into existence on its own. There is someone that does that. There is something in our heart. There's that God-shaped vacuum that says he exists That which is known about God is evident within them. That's what the Bible says. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what was made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing to be wise. In other words, thinking they were so intelligent, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for the image in the form of corruptible man, and humanism, and of birds, and four-footed animals, and crawling creatures, and that is the creation. And therefore, God gave them over to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, 
goes on down through that passage and it mentions it several times that God gave them over. He just released them to their sins and the consequences of what they were going to do. And we see that in the world today. The Bible says we're not to love the world or the things in the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, it says in 1 John. But those in the world strive for that and they walk away from God. And God tends to just say, okay. Does that mean that God never deals with that sin? With those individuals? No. I think the picture goes back to the story of Noah and the flood. And you remember the Bible said that the nation had become so wicked that God determined he was going to destroy the, the world. And, and then he looked and there was one person and it was Noah. And he came to Noah and he says, Noah, I want to preserve you. I want to preserve your family. I want you to build an ark. And I'm sure people were coming back by over 100 years looking at Noah up there as he was building this ark. What are you doing? I'm building an ark. Why? Because I'm getting ready for the flood. We do that, don't we? I've noticed that when we have floods up on the Russian River, they sandbag all the doors around up there, try and make it so that the, the water won't come in. Well, here was Noah getting ready. But because of the wickedness of the world, no one listened and when the flood came, they perished. In essence, God started over with one family, Noah's family. We see another picture of city-states that had turned their backs on God. And, and he gave them over to the lusts of their flesh, Sodom and Gomorrah. A man by the name of Lot lived there. Lot was the nephew of Abraham. And Lot still had a relationship, in essence, with God. It wasn't great. I think he was following the city a little bit. But angels came to him. God came to him and said, Lot, I'm going to destroy this city. You need to get your family together. And when Lot went out and he talked to him, they laughed at him. And God took Lot out. The cities were destroyed. Because there is a time when God's patience is no longer there, and he removes the wickedness. So even these individuals, and, and today we look at it and people say, oh, God's patient and he's not going to do anything. I believe that time is coming when God very definitely will discipline the world. And I believe that's going to be during the tribulation period and following that. But God sent a storm. And you know, the, you look in the Bible and you'll find that storms were... No, they were there periodically. Storms are used by God for a number of different reasons. Uh, if you go back, and, and for the benefit of time, I'm not going to go and read these passages this morning, but you may want to write them down. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. You may remember that storm. That was a storm when Jesus and the disciples got in the boat and they were rowing across the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus was so tired that he laid down in this boat and he went to sleep. And the winds came down off of the hills there onto the Sea of Galilee and they rushed down so quickly that storms come up just like that. It's what we read about. And all of a sudden the wind was blowing and the, the, the waves were whipping up. And I would imagine they were running across the current. Maybe they were down in the trough as this, the, the waves were coming up and they were trying to make, make it across. And Jesus was sleeping and the disciples feared for their lives. Finally, they woke him up and said, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? 
Jesus got up and says, oh, you have little faith. And he spoke to the wind. And he spoke to the sea. And the wind stopped. And the sea went flat. And the disciples were amazed. Because here was one who not only healed the sick, he not only had raised or would raise those who were dead like Lazarus, but he had power over the wind and the waves. They said, wow, he even commands the weather. What do we do with the weather? What do you think of storms today? You know, we've seen some fairly violent storms in America, physical storms lately. We've seen some down in the Gulf Coast, some around the Caribbean. We've seen, uh, they already were having snow up in Montana. This is early. Uh, Wyoming, you know, the, the uh, John and Jan Ryther have written, they just moved up there. Snowing. You know, they've lived in California all their lives. They really have to learn to deal with that. But they're up there in the snow, and, and we have windstorms and firestorms out here. And sometimes I think we get so caught up with the storm that we forget that we have a great God who controls the weather. And he meets the needs even after the storm. And so for the disciples, as we look at this first storm, uh, it, it built their faith. There was a second storm where God sent the disciples. It was found in, in Matthew chapter 14, 22 to 33. He had been ministering to people all day. He went up on the hillside to pray, and he put the disciples in the boat, and he says, I'll meet you over on the other side. And they began to row across, and it was into the morning hours, and they weren't making much progress, and they looked out, and they saw this person coming to them on the water. And, uh, wow. They were amazed. It was a ghost. And he said, don't be fearful. It's me. It was Jesus walking on the water to them. I have read books where they try and explain that away. I, I, I read one book where they said that uh, they were fairly close to the shore and Jesus knew where the big rocks were and he was walking on them. Somebody's always trying to take away the miraculous things that God did in the Bible. But Jesus was walking to them and they said, it's the Lord, don't worry. And and Peter says, if it's you, Lord, ask me to get out of the boat. Peter, get out of the boat. Okay. Peter got out of the boat. He began to walk to Jesus. And he was doing pretty well at first. And, and then I don't know what happened to Peter. Maybe he looked around and said, hey, guys, look at me. Look what I'm doing. I don't know. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was just the wind in his face. Maybe a wave got in the way and he couldn't see Jesus. And he began to go down, and Jesus reached out and took his hand and took him back into the boat. But I want, to know, I want you to know something. When we deal with storms, they build our faith. When we are in the storm for the right reason, God allows us to go into the storm. It builds our faith. And I really believe, uh, let me just spiritualize it a little bit, but I believe that we deal with a lot of different storms. We may deal with storms in our marriages, with our kids, with financial issues. And when you're going through struggles and trials, that's the time to stop and simply say, Lord, 
I'm not sure why I'm going through this. Is it because I'm running and I need to be brought in check and brought back? Is it a disciplinary action that says I'm going in the wrong direction or I haven't been willing to step out and do what you've asked me to do? Or, Father, is it simply a faith builder that I can put my faith and trust in you and you'll be there? Storms are that way. Storms bring us back in relationship to God. And I'm not just talking about those physical storms with the wind and the rain and all of those things, but it's the idea of the issues that we go through. I thought of Gina Motley, Savannah and Dalton, and they're experiencing a hard time in their life right now. When you lose your husband, when you lose your dad, and, and, and it isn't a permanent loss because they're going to see him in heaven, but that, that death, that separation that comes, that physical separation, and what are we going to do tomorrow, and, and, and how are we going to deal with life, and how are we going to handle our finances, and how are we going to do all of those different things, and where are we going to live? Those are hard questions. And those are the kind of storms that sometimes we go through. And when we put our faith and trust in God and we see him work those things out as time progresses, we begin to understand that he is faithful in all areas. And so we have a God who loves us. And we can understand that. And it isn't just a, always a negative thing. It's not always a disciplinary thing, though sometimes it may be, as it certainly was with with Jonah, let me go back to this passage. Let's go back up to verse 5. It says, the sailors began to be afraid. Every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship in the sea to lighten it for them. They were doing it for them, to preserve them. Jonah had gone below the boat into the hold of the ship and lain down and fallen asleep. And... Uh, you know, I thought, how does the world deal with problems? Well, we begin to look at our gods. If we, if we just do this, if we just believe this, if we just follow this, it may have to do with, you know, if, if we just educate people better. Education has become kind of a god in America. Do you realize that? That if, if, if we just get the education down, everybody's going to be okay. But we should understand by now, after decades of trying to do that, it hasn't always worked out. It doesn't change our society and our culture. In fact, sometimes we educate them in the wrong direction and because we think that's the answer. It doesn't make it. Another one has to do with, with uh, one of our gods' finances. We just throw enough money at something, it'll all be all right. And it doesn't always work out. If... Um, if we just have enough power and authority and the right people in power and authority, everything's going to be okay. And we have all these different gods, and, and so these men were praying to their gods. Their gods were probably idols. Uh, they had no power. They had no authority. And then they threw the cargo of the ship into the sea to lighten it. And when we have problems, if we can just jetson those things that we don't believe in or we don't like or whatever, it'll be okay. And yet you see those gods that we so often worship and the things that we think if we just get rid of them, it'll be okay, don't help that much. It doesn't change the circumstances in our world. It doesn't change the circumstances in our nation when we do that. And so they came to Jonah 
And I want you to see this, because even though Jonah was running from God, he knew his God, he knew who he was. It says, the captain approached him in verse 6, and he said, how is it that you're sleeping? How can you be sleeping at a time like this? Get up. Call on your God. He didn't think his God was any different than anybody else's. It's a small g here. He's not talking about Yahweh. He's not talking about Elohim. He says, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Nobody else's God seems to be doing much. Each man said to his mate, come, let us cast lots to, that we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. Have you ever noticed how we always want to blame somebody? doesn't matter what's going on in the world. We've got to find somebody to blame. And so they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And when they said to him, tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? And they really didn't know him, and they began to ask these questions. What's your occupation? They come to me, hey, what's your occupation? I'm a pastor. Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And this is where we see Jonah. Jonah was running from God, but he understood clearly who he was and who God was. He had his theology down. He says, I am a Hebrew. I am one of the chosen people. I'm a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I know who I am. Somebody came to me, who are you? You know the very first thing I would tell them? I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Because that's the most important thing for me. Do you know what? When I can say that with all other Christians, it wipes away all other barriers. We have so many barriers between us. He came and he said, I am a Hebrew. And then he says this, I fear the Lord. Yahweh, I fear the Lord God, Elohim of heaven, the all-powerful one, the one who created and made the sea and the dry land, in essence, who controls the storms. And though Jonah had run from God, he understood who he was. I think it's like the prodigal son. He had run away from his family, but he never ceased being the son of his father. And when things were the very worst and he was down in the pits and he was looking up and he couldn't see anything about but a mess of pigs, he thought back and he said, my father's servants are taken better care of than I am. Here I'm the son and I'm living in poverty. Jonah knew he was the son of the heavenly father. He understood he, who he was. He says, I'm a Hebrew, and God is the one who takes care of everything. And, and he knew the problem, and it was running from God. Let's skip down to verse 10. And it says, then the man became extremely frightened. Because of what he said, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. He knew the problem. He knew he wasn't walking with God. He knew he was out of fellowship. Do you want to know something? I think most Christians know that when they're out of fellowship with God. Most of us, when we're not walking where God wants us to be, we know that. And so they said to him, what shall we do? 
to you? What, what are we going to do to you that the sea may become calm for us? In other words, we, we've got to do something. And for the sea is becoming, was becoming increasingly stormy. Verse 12, he said to them, well, pick me up, throw me into the sea. You know, get rid of me. You want to jetson the cargo that's problem, jetson me. And then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. When we have storms in our lives because we have walked away from God and we aren't where God wants us to be, guess what? It touches everybody around us. It touches our families. It touches our friends. It affects our church. It affects everybody because we aren't where God wants us to be. And that's what he said. I'm, I'm the problem. If you want to take care of the problem, just throw me into the sea and then the sea will become calm for you. For I know on account of me this great storm has come upon you. He knew what was taking place. Verse 13, however, because people don't like to do that. They were more compassionate than that, more caring. We've, we've got to find another way, Jonah. We can't just throw you into the sea. We don't want to be responsible for your life. However, verse 13, the men rowed desperately to return to land, but they could not. For the sea was becoming even more stormy against them. And then they called on the Lord and they said, We earnestly pray. I want you to notice something right here. Before they had been praying to who? Their gods. Do you know when we go through storms, what we go through touches other people, and sometimes it even brings them to a relationship with Jesus Christ. It brings them to a relationship in this situation with Elohim, with God, with Yahweh. It says, we earnestly pray, oh Yahweh, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not put innocent blood on us. We, we don't want to die because of him. On the other hand, we don't want to be responsible for his death. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. What an amazing theology for men who didn't know God. You've done what you pleased. And so they picked up Jonah and they threw him in the sea and the sea stopped its raging flat. You ever been in the ocean in a huge storm? I've been out there a number of times. I remember we were on a ship crossing from uh, Hawaii to Yokohama. We were going to Japan and uh, my brother and I had, had gotten a ship. It was part of the President Lines. And back then, that's when the cruise ships were about a quarter the size of what they are today. And there was a typhoon out there. And so we tried to skirt around it. But I went out that morning. I'd been commercial fishing for three summers. And uh, so I'd been in storms. And I'd been in the water. And I went out and I stood up above the bow. And I watched us as that bow would come down and the water would come up. Nobody else was out there. Nobody else was that foolish. And uh, it was coming down and going up. And I thought, that's amazing. I went down to breakfast. I was about the only one there because you were kind of going like this and this and this. And everybody was... Mm, and uh, storms are devastating. When you get out there, I remember being in a fishing boat and my brother went to take a nap and we'd sleep through this and, and this storm came up. It was, it was a, the swells and our boat was about 50 feet long and we would drop down and the poles of the boat were below the wave right there. And then we would go up and we'd be looking down. Do you know what you do when you're tuna fishing and you're pulling lines with tuna fish? And those kind of swells come. 
If you're looking down on the swell, they're way down there and they're hard to pull up, but I'll tell you, it's great when they're up above you because you just pull them down into the boat. You deal with those. Jonah was out there and all of a sudden it became calm. And I remember waking up one of the first mornings I was out with my brother and we were out there probably 40, 50 miles at that point and it was glass. I looked out and it was just smooth. And so I picture how this storm went from just raging, they were fearful they were going to die to the point it was just glass. You see, that's what God can do in our lives when we get back right with him. And the storm's removed. How do we deal with the storms? The world seeks their gods. Jonah said, (laughs) you just need to seek one God. They picked Jonah up, they threw him into the sea, and it stopped raging. The prodigal son (laughs) looked at the pig pen and said, I don't have to live here anymore, and he went home. His father met him on the way, threw his arms around him, probably smelled, put on his robe, put on his sandals, put the ring that showed sonship on his hand. Only sons wore sandals, slaves wore no shoes. They picked up Jonah, they threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. The men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And it's amazing to me that even in our dark times, our lives can demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ, and people come to know him through us. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was in the stomach of the fish for three days. And three nights. According to Jewish time, that would be one 24-hour days and a portion of two others on either side. And he was there, and God got a hold of Jonah in the belly of the fish. We don't have to worry too much. If, If God can bring storms and release storms so they aren't there anymore, if God created the land and the sea, he can create that fish or whale or whatever it is to swallow Jonah. But what I want you to realize today is sometimes we find ourselves running from God. And when you're running from God, you need to realize that God is like the hound of heaven who seeks you out and draws you back because he loves you. He loved those sailors too. And you know what? He loves the Ninevites. He loves the people who live around us. And so we reach out in the love of Jesus Christ to reach them. But first of all, We need to get our lives right with God. You may go through a storm, and it may be that God's simply trying to build your faith. And he does that. But you may be going through a storm, and it's that God's drawing you back into the relationship with him. And if so, simply submit and say, here I am, Lord. I know I've I've messed up. I'm running the wrong direction. My life is not depicting what the Bible says it should. There are so many issues in my life that aren't where they should be. Forgive me. Help me to see the changes made. And God, remove the storm, please. I'm going to tell you one other thing. Sometimes God doesn't take the storm away. Uh, We wish he would. 
But I think it's kind of like Paul when he had that thorn in the flesh. And he said, Lord, remove the thorn. Three times he said, I prayed. And each time God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And he left the thorn. But it still builds our faith because God preserves us in spite of the thorn. And we grow in our relationship with him. We look at Jonah and we're going to see uh, he still, even after he goes through the fish, he's going to cry out to God and he still doesn't have it all together. But I think somewhere along the line he did because we believe that Jonah wrote this book. And so he got his life right with God and that's the exciting thing. But it's a neat neat story. I, I don't want us to get the idea that it's not a historical event because I believe it's historically true. Uh, but we need to ask ourselves, God, where am I? If, I? if I'm going through this hard time, where am I and why? Number one, do you want to build my faith? Number two, have I walked away from where you want me to be? And is there a problem that I need to deal with in my life and get straightened out? Number three, are you going to leave the storm but give me grace to deal with it so that I can glorify you? Let's pray, shall we? Father, wow. <laughs> I, I, Jonah really went through it, Father, and it was because of his own choices. It was because of his decisions. It was because of what he wanted to do. Because he wanted to be in control, and he didn't want to go to Nineveh, and he wanted to go do his own thing rather than your thing, Father. He was chosen as a prophet. Today we would probably call him a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary. He was chosen already, but there was a special mission that he was to do. There was a special job, Father, and he said, I don't want to do it. And so as he began to run, Father, you loved him enough that you continued to pursue him, and you brought him back. And I just want to thank you for the example for Jonah, for each and every one of us. Might we not have to go through so many storms because of our own stubbornness, and, and because of our own pride. But might we experience your grace and your love. And might our faith grow because of the storms we do experience. Thank you, Father. I pray for each person here. I pray that you might bless them. And if they're going through a trial today, whatever it is, might they understand what they're going through and why they're going through it. And that they have a God who can meet the needs of their lives. Thank you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.